Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Raise Your Vibration podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Shelby Rose, and I am an energetic and business guide helping you align, activate, and expand your energy to create the life and business you're wildly obsessed with. I believe that every single one of us has a path that lights us up, makes us excited to get up every single day, and brings massive service and impact to the world. In this podcast, we'll tune into our soul's true desires, take ownership for every single thing in our lives, and shift our vibration to embody the queen we came here to be. You deserve this. You get to have it. Let's go create it. so much for tuning in today. I I just want to say I'm sending you all the love through the sound waves and oh, it has been good over here in Shelby's world. A lot of transformation the past couple of weeks, a lot of introspection and a lot of shifts, but all good things. I am moving into my apartment this weekend. If you guys have been following that journey, I did decide to put some roots down and recognized I wasn't admitting to myself that I wanted my own place and my own space and traveling and just being a nomad for a while was really a, a choice I would have made out of fear, right? I was afraid of investing my into my own place and having my own space. So I'm excited. Sage and I are going to have our own place. We're going to have a pool and a hot tub and just a really beautiful space to create more content for you guys. It's been a little bit tough recording podcast episodes and doing client calls. I'm excited to have this beautiful space that's just ours and to finally decorate a home, you guys. I've never done that. So I guess I'm telling you this because it may be that there are things you are not admitting to yourself that you want for your life and life is too damn short not to do the things that you want to do and live the life you want to live. So I guess what I'm saying is just do the damn thing and know that there are abundant, infinite resources available to us at all times if we can just clear our own shit and get out of the way for the miracles to happen. (laughs) That being said, I wanted to remind you guys that, and this is a beautiful segue into this conversation Connor and I had, that the Release the Fear and Manifestation free training that I'm hosting this week, you guys, so July 9th, July 10th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, you can pop to the link in those show notes and get enrolled. Claim your spot now. We're going to be looking at the fear dead on feeling the fear, processing the fear so that you can actually release it instead of just shoving it under the rug, shoving it down, not looking at it, not paying attention to it. Because when we do that, and I believe me, on this journey I have, I thought we had to think positive thoughts all the time. I thought we had to reframe, ignore. But when we do that, we still have this energy of fear within because we haven't actually processed it, looked at it, and gotten really real about what could happen if we go for the big thing, right? And so I think this training is going to be really transformational for so many people. Taking exercises right out of Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass, which I am enrolled in at this time. I'm going to be sharing you some of the tools that she has provided me with. And 
sharing that energy of being in her energy. So I'm so excited for you guys to experience this. Make sure you pop to the show notes right now so you don't forget, get yourself in this training today. That being said, I wanted to just just give you guys a little bit of warning and a heads up on this episode. It might be a little bit triggering for you guys. Um, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, we talk all about psychedelic mushrooms on this episode. And the first time I listened to a podcast on mushrooms, I was super triggered and I was super skeptical and they're not something I've personally experienced, but I've been following the research on them. And having worked at a veterans hospital for four years and seeing the patients come in and out of there with depression, with PTSD, with anxiety, and watching several patients take their lives and not be able to come out of the darkness and seeing the research on psychedelics showing that one dose can transform this for these patients who are really, really suffering, they, they piqued my interest. And I'm a strong believer that nature provides all that we need to heal, that there are infinite healing possibilities on this planet. And hearing Connor's experience with it, because he uses it more for his spiritual practices, was something that was really eye-opening and... I think it's just incredible to hear different perspectives from different people out there. So if you're feeling triggered at all during this episode, remember that that is a great time to go inward, reflect on what is being triggered, and knowing that in no way, shape, or form am I saying this needs to be a part of your spiritual practice. It's simply opening your eyes to what's out there to expand your consciousness, your awareness, and step into the love. So... Without further ado, let me introduce Connor. He is a podcast host. He hosts the Realness Podcast and a life coach who has a lifestyle design program as well as hosting retreats in Costa Rica, leading participants on the ayahuasca ceremony practices. So I, you know, I stumbled across him on social media and I actually connected with him. <laughs> I found, I don't know how I found a post. It was, it was all about when he was a fat kid and Shelby, who was also the fat kid was like, this is legit. He knows what's going on. <laughs> so I, you know, I've been following his journey. And so we talk about that on the episode. We talk about relationships. We talk about childhood programming. We talk about awareness and consciousness and facing the fear and ayahuasca and all the things. So I'm excited for you guys to experience Connor and his energy and wisdom. But without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, Connor, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited that you're the first guy on the episode, first of all. I'm honored. <laughs> and that we get to hear a little bit about your story. I love following you on Instagram. I love your message that you're putting out there and just sharing it in a real authentic, vulnerable way. And it's awesome to see males stepping into that energy in that space. So thank you for being here. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, your story. How did you get to where you are today? I always love that question because it's like, what part of my life do I want to talk about this morning? <laughs> my coffee. Um, so right now I do, I host a podcast called the realness. Um, it's an interview show. It's really, really fun. We have, we have what I would consider kind of like unconventional personal development conversations. And that's, that's how I like to have fun with 
human behavior and talking about why we do the things we do and off of the podcast, there's a uh, life coaching practice that I, that I run as well as, as well as retreats, which has been really fun for me because I've somehow in my life, um, maybe it's from fitness and my early life and, and being extremely gregarious and kind of over the top, I've like found a way to try and bridge the gap between real life and this kind of like spirit world that seems a little bit out there and abrasive and kind of weird, frankly, <laughs> I'm trying to like pull out the things that make sense and, and, and communicate those with people who are just trying to do the best they can and like live a real life mm-hmm. and maybe don't want to buy a bunch of crystals or like smudge their house every morning. Like, but that's, that's also cool. And that's just not everybody's jam. So it's been, it's been fun to create, create this relatable brand around, around having fun, empowering conversations that don't take themselves too seriously. And, and it seems to me that, you know, looking at it now, I, I can't say I, I intended to do this in the beginning, but it kind of, by me allowing myself to just be me and be relatively obnoxious and kind of out there, um, it feels like people get permission through that to kind of mm-hmm. step a little bit outside of their normal, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. been super, super fun. It's kind I of the, the theme. Yeah, the theme of everything has been kind of like do something a little bit different just for the sake of doing it differently. It's, it's been fun. I love it. I love it. Yeah. How did you, okay, so this is, I think, a, something a lot of people struggle with when they are starting their business or they're starting to do whatever it is that they're doing. How did mm-hmm. you transition from, you know, really maybe not being all you out there or were you always did you just step into that and be like this is who I am I'm gonna own this and if people have a problem with it or if people don't like it great this is who I am like how did you yeah. step into that? oh god it wasn't like that <laughs> um, so, so it was, it was it's interesting so I was kind of this like fat kid growing up and, and I think it's something you and I kind of have in common there mm-hmm. and when you're a big and I was a bit I was like a big kid and I wish I would have had a better like athletic outlet but it just wasn't really the case like it's funny because I was six foot tall in, in like the sixth grade. So like you would think like, okay, you're going to be like an athlete. And it's like, but I was fat. So like all the people see is like fat kid. Like all this kid can do is like be a fat kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And even through athletics, I thought that was really strange because if you look at me now, it's like I have like the build to be like a tight end or a quarterback or whatever, but I've never even had the opportunity to like express myself in athletics in the way that I thought was the most, I was just like a grunt, you know, it was very, it was a very really strange kind of like, projection of other people onto you at an early age. So I kind of coped with that by being really like outlandish and funny and saying obnoxious things. Mm. So I took that personality, but it was like, it was, you know, like teenage boy humor into like more advanced, just being ridiculous and kind of just making fun of everybody and myself at the same time. Um, and then I took that into coaching CrossFit for about seven years. And that's kind of how my personality really developed and how I present to people really developed through that process. So putting it out there was not just something I did like overnight. Like I'm just going to put myself out there. I had, you know, I was essentially presenting myself to people four or five times a day, every day for seven years. <laughs> so it was, it was one of those things where you don't think about that being a big part of it. But that was a yeah. huge part of me having confidence to present and be able to, and one thing is like be able to try something new and really screw it up, you yeah. know, and that's okay. And not, and not, I've done enough, I've done that enough times, but that's just kind of like, whatever. So go ahead. That, that wasn't very good. And I just keep doing the ne- go to the next thing. And I think when people start to put themselves out there and try to share something, you need to understand that you're going to kind of blow it a few times and that's okay. 
Yeah. But which you've already had those, that was like inherently a part of my life. So from the, from the fitness industry, I started working at a company, um, a company called on it. And I was actually a project manager for the podcast, basically the, the, po- the podcast that the CEO um, ran. So I would do a lot of work on the back end of the podcast. And through that, for years, I'd wanted to start a podcast and people had always told me I should start a podcast and do these different things. Um, but uh, that was like really solid nuts and bolts of like what goes on behind it. And then I was starting a podcast for the company. So I was starting a company podcast and kind of like um, I flew a little too close to the sun, I guess you'd say with that podcast and I got myself fired. So my transition from like having a job to like podcaster full time and figure out everything else happened because I got fired from my job because I was like being a little bit too loud. Mm. Um, which makes it, it's very on brand for me to get fired from being a little bit like excessive, (laughs) pretty extra. (laughs) So for me, it was like, okay, well shit, what do I do now? Like, where do I go from here? And people had been asking me for one-on-one coaching for a while. And I just been telling them no, because I didn't have time at the job. So I put together the lifestyle design program and just, it was literally almost kind of out of desperation, but it felt very right. And I was like, we'll just see, like, we'll just see. I'll open up eight spots at like $500 a piece and we'll just see what happens. Sold them out. Everybody had a great experience. And then I just kind of kept doing it until I got to a point where I could stop doing it for a second and then kind of rejig everything, get everything back sorted. And then it's just been this continual, like, let's keep moving hit pause every now and then clean it up and then keep moving again. And that's really the process that we're in now, which has been super fun. And, and it's, it's, I'm super grateful for all of those experiences. And the way that, that the reason I tell that whole long winded story is because it's really like a collage of experiences in my life that gave me a skill set to do a thing that most people would just think that I was just, was just good at. And I could just do it, but it was like, not really, it was, it was thousands and thousands of reps of different types over a period of time. And I had no idea what it was going to turn into. It just kind of all seemed to make sense once I got there. I love that. And it's like, you had experience putting yourself out there. You can't expect to just one day show up and be like, this is me. If you've never shown yourself that if you're constantly doing it every single day, then you know how to do it. And that's why I tell a lot of my clients, I'm like, you just need to show up and start sharing what it is. That's actually your authentic truth. And then it becomes easier and then you no longer can't share who you are. And and that's one thing about working with people. That's really interesting. I I know a lot of people feel like drawn to this, this coaching world, but I think the big error there is that you're trying to fit someone into the pattern that you've the pattern of progress Mm -hmm. that you've had in your life without considering their like collage of experience and what makes sense and resonates for them. So that's one thing that I, I really appreciate that I learned from coaching was I can't coach everyone like they're me coaching. This is coaching CrossFit and weightlifting. It was like, if you're, I'm six foot four and 220, 230 pounds at the time. If you're you, right. If you're like, you know, maybe like five, three and like you have like shorter legs and you have a whole different thing. I've got to coach you like a completely different person. So I kind of gained that flexibility and we have the same goal to be better at this thing, whether that's life or weightlifting. And you're going to have to take a different approach than me because maybe you have two kids and you're married and you have, you know, you have this job and I get to do this. And so our, the common themes and there are some pervasive kind of characteristics to live like a fulfilled quote unquote fulfilled life. But the, the, the path to get there is so varied. And I think being open to that and curious about that is one of the things that I really enjoy about all of this work. Mm. 
I love that. I love that. So going back to getting fired, this is funny because <laughs> my friend just got fired like a week ago okay. and she was like manifesting. It. She was really like, I want to, I want to get fired from this job. She said it for probably a month to me on the phone and then she got fired from the job. So it's funny, but I do think it can be part of the path, but a lot of people get caught up on the, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? I don't have a job. I don't have the security. I don't. So how did you navigate that knowing that you wanted to take this leap kind of into coaching and podcasting how did you navigate oh my god what am i doing was there a lot of scarcity mindset like how did you get through that or was it just like i'm doing this fuck it so one thing that that i learned through that process i mean i didn't want to get fired it wasn't i i started to feel like i was out of integrity in my job mm-hmm. um and i think it was like that happened and i like quickly, I think that it was since that I felt like what I was doing was bullshit. Like I was like, this is, this is bullshit. Like I'm, I'm bullshitting people. And that was like, once I felt that it was, I was like allergic to doing it. I was, I don't know. I did a really good job at bullshitting people. And that then again, I didn't, I started not believing what I was even selling, but I was still really good at selling it. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was out of integrity with it. So that was a nice piece. It was, it was the thing that got really interesting is me understanding like, okay, here I am in this situation. I've got a little bit of money. I got a severance. You know, I got severance. I have a few podcasts that I've recorded. I think I had four podcasts recorded at the time. I don't know how to launch a podcast. I don't know how to put one onto a website. Like that was not. This podcast was not made to. It was not made to make money. It was an entertainment podcast for a company, and it didn't need to make a single dime. Like I had another job on top of that, so it was no big deal for it not to make money. So I had to change the complete kind of structure of the show I don't want to say it was scarcity mindset but I had to get really really familiar with the worst case scenario Mm. you know I'm 32 now I was about 30 then um about 29 then and it was like okay you're getting in the part of your life where you like need to have stability and structure and that's just like practically speaking if you want to have the life that you want to have like that's a big part of it so I had to get really really comfortable with if this whole thing just like falls apart and you like fall on your face, like, what are you going to do? And what does that look like? And can you be okay with yourself failing at this as opposed to just never trying it in the first place? And, and that's, and I I think that pattern of, of kind of that line of thinking has helped a ton. Um, and, and everything I do, it's like, well, I would rather try this and fail at it. Not that I want to fail, but I'm, I'm comfortable with, with the risk there. And it literally, it was like living month to month if not week to week, like, and I had done that before in a, in a point in my life. So I had those kind of skill sets of like how to, how to eat, how to eat good food. That's like also kind of cheap. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But I just got really, even like visually and, and in meditation and journaling, like it was so emotionally challenging, but I had to stay focused on what I was doing and try to stay as objective as I could because there were a lot of other factors involved and just get really keen to like what happens if this all falls apart. And I think that the power of positive thinking and manifestation, like you don't ever get a chance to get associated with this thing that could happen. And when it inevitably inevitably happens, it's a part of everybody's story, like this whole thing where you kind of have like this massive failure that catapults Mm -hmm. you into whatever, like you have no, no senses to deal with it. You don't have the tools to deal with the shit storm that can happen when you take risks and that's just part of life. And I think we, we kind of whitewash progress and pro- the process of life and don't get associated with that. I call it the power of negative thinking. It's like, I have my clients do this like journal, like 
what's the absolute worst case scenario? Because you can get really, if you ever truly really try, you can get really creative on worst case scenario. Right? <laughs> Our like, brain is great at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we're negative and biased for sure. So what is that? And, can, and then get really keen to like what that looks like. And it's like, okay, that could happen. It most likely won't. But am I okay with like risking this if that, you know, knowing that's a possibility, right? And it just became very, it became very much like a do what you can every day. A lot of mantras, a lot of being who I felt like I was supposed to be, like a lot of journaling. Like it was, it was a, it's been a process. It still is. I have a little more space with it now, but yeah, it was, it was a wild, it was a wild experience. And there was a lot of resentment. I mean, the way that it all went down, like it was, the way I got fired was really shitty. <laughs> so it was like, there was a lot of like emotional, like, I got, you know, there was like, you lied, I was lied to. I was like, felt like this was a whole, you know, we were just, but I was, I resented myself. Like I had to work through a lot of self-resentment for letting myself get into a situation like that. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I had, I mean, really now that I'm talking this out and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but the only thing I had that felt good was the podcast. Mm. Like I had nothing really left. I had like no like sense of self anymore. And the only thing I could do that felt right was the show. Mm. So I just put everything I had into the show. Oh, so much out of that. I, I think sometimes too, we have to hit that like bottom and maybe we don't. I just feel like I've had to hit the bottom a couple of times before I could like pick myself up really. But I think the biggest thing I took away from all of that, that you just said was looking at the shit because I think so much, like when I first started in the personal development world, it was ignore you know, the negative stuff was kind of the messaging. They didn't outrightly say that, but I was like, I just have to be positive all the time. Everything's going to be great. But then when you don't pay attention to this stuff, then it's kind of like still in your energy. Like there's still a piece of you that has this anxiety around it because you're not actually looking at that's a possibility that could happen. But when you look at it and you face it head on, you're like, I could go broke. I could like, you know, some shit can actually happen. Like I may be living on the streets or I may have to move in with my parents again or something crazy could happen. Worst case scenario, like worse things could probably happen, but I'll be okay with that. Like exactly. I'd rather take that, that leap and that risk. So that's, that's, that's huge. And I think it's a message that's not shared often enough in the personal development world. So thank you for that. Sacrifices. That's one of the best things about life is we get to choose our sacrifices. Mm. Everything's a trade-off. We like to think that we can have it all. And it's like, well, that's, you can have it all, probably not all at the same time, but it's like, it's always a trade-off. I mean, having a kid is a trade-off. Having a job is a trade-off. Like you get security versus that time that you spend. It's always, that's our whole life is, is this, this, this game of trade-offs. And I think one thing about being self-aware is being aware of the sacrifices that you choose and mm. really be, being on top of that and knowing that, that's integrity is like choosing the sacrifices that are appropriate for what feels right to you. And I don't like to use the word truth, but what feels right or true to you is to me, that's self, that's self-awareness, mm. right? It's not being aware of how awesome you are all the time. That's, that's kind of like kindergarten level self-awareness. <laughs> Beginner's face. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay speaking of awareness you have recently entered a pretty conscious relationship with kelly and it's something i want to chat about because i know a lot of my listeners are either working in their relationships to start to open the lines of communication or just have more self-awareness when it comes to what are my triggers and why am i blowing up but that really has nothing to do with the current situation all the things that go along with conscious relationships. So what I want to ask is how did you 
cultivate that? Or how did you know that this was the person that you wanted to open up and have that conversation with and have that consciousness with? I guess that's two questions, but I'll just open it up to you. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of times, and, and I'm assuming, cause I, I was going to speak as if like I'm talking to a spiritual community here. Cause I think that's yeah, like yeah. something that I, that I feel to get missed um, is that I didn't really, I can't say that before Kelly and I met that I was like, calling this in or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think many guys in whatever realm you're in, like have that mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, I had thought about relationships beforehand and I'd been single for a couple of years. And my last relationship before that was not healthy by any means, but I had done a lot of different things and I traveled a bunch and I was, I was getting stable in my life. And I knew that if I want to, for me, you know, the way I thought about it was for me to be the kind of partner that I want to be to someone I need you know, this much stability in my life. I need to have had like, I need, I need some, I need some energetic space because I need it. So I need to have some things like pretty well structured. Um, and every time I would, I was dating through that and wasn't in that way, I just wasn't able to bring myself fully to any kind of relationship. Like it was fun. And I wouldn't say they were, they were bad. They were really great, but it wasn't, it was more, it, it always felt very like light and casual, which was, mm -hmm. which was awesome. And, it, and that there's a place for that in this exploring phase. And I was changing a lot. So I wasn't consistent enough to really be in, in a, in a substantial relationship anyways. And I had thought about that. Like, am I being avoidant? Like really processing where, where I was at mm -hmm. with relationships in general. And, and through that, I just decided like, you know, I'm keen enough to the world around me. Like I'll notice when something comes up that is substantial and I, I, I have faith in myself to feel that when it's, when it's present and I'm not super worried about it. I'm just going to keep doing what I can do. It wasn't a, it wasn't something I thought about very much at all. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep doing my thing and I'm just going to, and, and then through that, it's like when someone, whenever someone like crosses paths with me, like we'll see what happens. You know, it wasn't, I just wasn't that stressed about it. And I think you kind of make a, a decision, especially when you get to your late twenties and thirties where it's like, are you going to be stressed about it or are you not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. and, <laughs> Right. Yes. It's like, it's like, I have like the I friends who are like, I am 27. My fraternal clock is ticking. I'm like, girl, you have all the time. <laughs> being stressed about it is not going to, it's not going to bring anybody into your it's life. <laughs> and then it just, it, and it happened, you know, with, with Kelly, it just kind of happened through podcasting. Like that's just like, I was just doing my thing and doing the best I could at my job and my, you know, my, what I feel like is my purpose. And that's, we kind of connected on, like our purposes met before we actually did physically, right? It was very cool. So once we met, it was kind of this really strong feeling that I haven't had before. Like I was, the first time we met in person, I was driving to this, like we would, like met at this beach in between, kind of met in the middle, but in, uh, in Orange County, because I was in San Diego and she was in LA and she had the weekend off. So we just kind of um, crossed paths there for the first time. We've been talking a lot, but we hadn't met in real life. And I had this feeling um, and I've only had this feeling a couple times in my life where I was driving up and I knew that whatever was about to happen was going to change everything. Mm. And I could just feel it. And it was like, I was nervous, but I wasn't really nervous. It was just a, like a knowing yeah. in a way. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of what happened. And from there, we just started, kind of just started dating that day pretty much. I mean, it was, I had before that, before we even met, I had kind of quit talking to any other girls I was talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I and told them why it was like, I was very intentional about that. I wanted to give that as much energy as I could. And then, you know, through the, the dating process and we've been together for a few, I think like four months now. And 
it's been not a, you know, in that time, like not a ton has come up. And I'm also really cautious because people think like they see you on social media and they see I, any couple on social media, they think like, oh, we're like frolicking down this path hand in hand. And it's like, <laughs> and we actually did a show about this on our show. It's like, we're not even on the same path. Like people have this projection of what our relationship is and they want like, you know, hashtag relationship goals. Mm-hmm. And it's like very much like, me doing my thing, her doing her thing. And that's, we, I think we have enough space between us in that, that we have the space to respect the shit out of each other, mm-hmm. really. Because we get to look, we have, we're not like in this like bundled up world where like, where we co- totally exist for each other. Yes. And then for some reason, I think that that's in some way a goal, but that just ends up being really, that's more codependence than love. Mm-hmm. And I think that to to be able to really facilitate a, a healthy relationship, you've got to understand like where your relationship with intimacy started and how that's developed. And also understand that you're not necessarily the most rational person because you're a human being just goes with the territory. Like you're going to, you're going to confirm your own beliefs. You're going to get triggered about stuff. That's not about the other person. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a handle on, on at least the process and the tools to process challenging experiences in a relationship, mm-hmm. you're not really setting yourself up for success. So when you talk about facilitating it, it's really easy to talk about manifesting and creating space and all these different things. But at the end of the day, I feel like the, the most important things one person can do independent of anyone else is understand what their relationship with intimacy is, where their blind spots may be, where they may be immature. Cause a lot of times you'll have these, these immature components of your personality, right? That, that were shamed or, or maybe like you were judged for early in life and they just kind of stay suppressed and the other components of your personality compensate. That's essentially what like Carl Jung would call the, the shadow, right? And the shadow, we always think of shadow as like darkness. It's like, no, those are, the, those are the traits of our personality that we hide behind our celebrated self. So when you start dating someone at the beginning, you're dating, you're basically your celebrated self, the part of yourself that people tend to validate is dating their celebrated self, mm-hmm. right? And there's these components, good or bad, that hide in this like, shadow <laughs> right where it's like they're just, you're just not conscious of them yeah. and then some circumstances will happen that will bring that out and you need the tools to handle that within yourself because if you can't communicate it you're just going to be talking yourselves in circles and it becomes really really challenging and that comes up and then you think like oh but i manifest all these things and it feels how i wanted to feel but kind of skip the part where you actually do the work on yourself yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the number one thing you can do when you're entering a relationship is your own awareness and making sure that if you've done the work, then maybe finding someone who also has the tools and the work so that you can have that open communication. Because I've found that I've dated people who didn't necessarily do their own work. And it was fun. It was wonderful. But then it came back to you can have an open conversation about things that were triggering or things that you were frustrated about it was just kind of got swept under the rug under the rug under the rug and that at the end of the day it's you again going back to choices you get to decide what you want for a relationship and i think you know one one thing that's really common is like the over we overvalue love and that's like not that's an unpopular opinion for sure but we, we think love is like love can conquer all, right? That's just such a fun quote that everybody wants to have t- attach themselves to. But at the same time, I think, you know, Mark Manson says this, and I, I, love, I love his writing and the way he articulates these things, but respect and admiration are as important as love, right? Mutual respect and mutual admiration, which means someone's got to be different than you in some, some aspects. 
And love is flexible, right? Like the kind of love you have at the beginning versus the kind of love you have for someone who's like the mother of your children versus the kind of love you have for someone who's like the grandmother of your grandchildren. Like that's a different, very flexible kind of love. And it almost becomes like familial and then maintaining like eroticism in that is a whole challenge. That's why Esther Perel exists, right? It's like for stuff like that. And if you're not familiar with Esther Perel, get yourself familiar with Esther Perel. She's amazing. Um, but respect and admiration are a little bit less flexible and those are a little bit, they'll still stand the test of time a little bit more. And you can, you can fall back onto those when love feels like it's wavering. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then when those feel like they're wavering, you fall back on love. You're giving yourself essentially a safety net of, of, of the feelings towards a person. And that's really a healthier way to be. And it's a little bit more stable than, than just relying on this love, which kind of turns into codependent or like staying in a thing that's toxic just because you love someone. Like you can love somebody who's really, really bad for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I've got a few friends that have done that one. As well. <laughs> I've got a few versions of myself who have done that. For oh sure. yeah, for sure. <laughs> We've all been there. It's a good way to learn. That's, uh, I think that was a perfect nugget. Like, thank you for that. I needed to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so, so I'm curious for you, like what's your dating life like as this person who's now putting themselves out there as like representing doing the work? I mean, I think when you say, yeah. like, I'm going to be an advocate for some type of lifestyle, then the universe is like, okay, cool. Let me like test you every, t every time you take a, you know, oh. take a breath. And like, yeah. see if you're actually capable of doing it. I feel like it's this like nice little challenge that gets thrown in your face. It is. And relationships, not just dating. So relationships in general have been, and they always are our biggest triggers, right? It's been the biggest test of like friendship wise, like how much can you go back to love? Dating wise has been really interesting. I've been dating pretty consistently one person for a couple of months. I don't really share my dating life just because it tends to be where I get triggered the most. So I'm like, <laughs> I'll just, <laughs> I literally, I, that like seven year old self, that's really insecure. Like my seven year old chubby self, when she is in a relationship, she is so fucking triggered. Like, I will not tell you how many times I've been like, <laughs> I've had this conversation with my partner. I'm like, so, um, I feel super insecure right now. Like, this is how I'm feeling because it all came back to, you know, this girl, this seven-year-old girl got rejected over and over again by guys that would flirt with her and then reject her. So I put this like story, no guy will ever actually love you. It, like that was my story. That was my mantra. And I didn't realize it as an adult dating that there was still the seven-year-old girl inside. Not seven. Okay. I was like 13. Seven's a little young to be dating, but like 13 when you start to flirt and you care and like all the things. And that was the mantra I was still holding on to, not with a, no awareness of it. Right. But there was still this part of me. So now when I'm dating, it's, it's, knowing when she's showing up in the relationship of like, okay, she's here and having that conversation and trying to, you know, have those conversations that are harder and recognizing that I'm still finding myself trying to not open up fully, right? Not fully be vulnerable. So relationships really are the best test for me. Yeah. The universe is like, Hey, what you got? Are you really yeah. applying what you've learned? <laughs> exactly yeah that's great <laughs> that's so rad <laughs> oh man so with that i mean it's so funny you say that like the 13 year old version of yourself because it, yeah it 
it's so we almost end up like it feels like little tantrums too I, that's literally i was like i feel like a child again like if i think i always do this of like if something's really triggering for me i'll go back to like okay when was the, when was the first time you felt like this and that's usually the story that's playing out <laughs> and it's literally i'm like i feel like i'm 13 again like crying myself to sleep like i'm like what is this <laughs> but it's 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 a part of it right I'm like okay I see you like this wound is being triggered for a reason like what do I need what would you have me do with this like I'm just trying to work too when you can like take time to like feel it and be in it and all that that's what that's how you progress that part of yourself right yes. it's, that's why journaling is so fun because the pages don't judge you you can just say all kinds of weird shit to your journal and it's like like tear and snot all over it if you need that like it's cool <laughs> It's totally cool. Everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, you know, and that's one thing with me that I think I was so caught. There was a lot of things in my upbringing, like, uh, you know, my parents were like, my relationship with my mom was really hard. She was an addict at one point. We have a great relationship now, but it took, you know, 30 years. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but there was a lot of things. So my relationships with women, I, I, I think sometimes like I almost consider myself lucky that my relationship with my mom was so shitty for a long time because it was so in my face. Like, you know, when things are like in your face and you're like, okay, well I have to work on this because it's so bad. Yeah. I feel like, you know, and then it's easy to see like what well, the impacts on relationships with women and, and I need to work on this stuff. I think it's really hard. And I think that a lot of people live in this area where, especially when you feel like privilege is a big thing, right? Like it's a big talking point now. It's like your parents weren't that bad. Maybe they were like emotionally distant. It was like subtle, but it was like maybe they didn't really show affection or care for each other too much, but they were good parents. And you don't feel like you could ever be critical of your upbringing because you had it better than so many other people. So you're really not honoring your feelings and all of that stuff kind of plays out and it kind of keeps you from actually investigating like, Hey, you can love your mom and like know that she like didn't really pattern healthy intimacy for you. Or maybe she was like over the top you know, um, over the top affection, like did too much for you and you never really gained the ability to take care of yourself. And that means you're gonna have to actually have as an adult have boundaries because your mother's like kind of seeks validation through taking care of you way past the point where that's appropriate. Like that doesn't mean that your mom's a bad person. Right. Mm-hmm. But we don't, I think sometimes when you live in that like middle ground where things weren't quote unquote traumatic. Right. Yeah. But it just like didn't really pattern healthy attachment style or whatever for you that's a hard place to be because then you feel like you're being overly critical of people that did the best they could. And I think, you know, I encourage people to just analyze it without, it's almost like being like detached caring. Like, let me just be mm-hmm. objective. I think objectivity is really helpful when it comes to understanding your patterns of intimacy, because when you look at that, you say, okay, let me, let me step outside of my own life and just look at this objectively and see where things may have shaped the way that they are now. Like what, why would, let me try to make sense of who I am and why I'm here. And you may be able to take, you know, let some things go very easily. It's not even that hard. Like, but I'm going to let that go. Cause that just doesn't really serve me. It did once upon a time. And, and thank you for being there. But now I can like, maybe not try to find a partner that's just like my mom. Yeah. Cause that doesn't really seem like that's sexy to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. I like, wow. I can't believe I've been doing that for the past 15 years. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Okay different thing. I should, I should try something different and just and, and explore that. But it takes a little bit of understanding and not feeling like you have to let go of that feeling like you're criticizing people that you really love. And I know that's a really big hurdle for people to get over sometimes, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily that they're bad people. Right. Like I don't think even my mom being as, as wild as it was like my mom's a really good person. Mm-hmm. She had a really hard time. 
Mm-hmm. And I can't even like begin to imagine, I'll never be able to feel what it's like to feel like a mother who can't take care of her own kids. Mm. Like, I feel so much compassion for her in that. It's like, dude, you considering where she's at now and you would never know any of this stuff now. Um, she doesn't love that I talk about it, but I'm going to keep talking about it anyways. Um, but you would never know that, but it's like, I, I, I'm so impressed and proud of her for doing what she did. She over, you know, it wasn't like it was easy for her ever. And I'm just, yeah. So it's, it's, we have a different, there's a lot, again, a lot more respect and admiration in our relationship than there ever was. And that's mutual. And that's, that's more than just romantic relationship. That's a really important part of any sustainable, healthy relationship. And once you can understand why your parents or caregivers acted in the way they did, knowing they were doing the best they can, and even being somewhat critical of them, but not in a negative way, mm-hmm. you can then start to really appreciate, have more appreciation on the end of that. It seems counterintuitive, but you can appreciate and respect your parents more when you understand why. Mm-hmm. And then you can let go of things that you feel like just don't really serve you, but then also know like, hey, they really helped me. They, they, I'm super healthy in this area of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got, everybody's got this like area where they're just not really willing to look. And I think that that's yeah. where a lot of the good stuff is. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, I think I think we all struggle with that. In that space. I was the same way, like growing up, not, I was that way where my parents were great. My childhood was great, but I didn't look at those little pieces for a long time because I felt shame and guilt around mm-hmm. saying, oh, my dad really struggled <laughs> expressing his love to me. Mm-hmm. And so I had this needy, clingy energy around love because I, I constantly was trying to prove like I'm successful dad I can make my own money I can do this I can do this I can, and it was like always in the back of my head never and, you know my subconscious it was always because I wanted his approval and his love mm-hmm. and so it's it's interesting now it's like oh I can see that he's just running on his own wounds and his own triggers and his own mm-hmm. stories and that was something that's really difficult for him I love the shit out of this man he's an incredible <laughs> human like <laughs> incredible but it was mm-hmm it did shape my behaviors and it did shape my pattern. So it's, it's really powerful mm-hmm. when we take the time to look at those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about was your retreats and what you guys do on those retreats is a ceremony of ayahuasca. And this is something that has been showing up repeatedly in my world. I've been hearing a lot about it. So I'm just curious, what has ayahuasca done for your spiritual journey? What kind of experiences have you had with it? How has it opened up your own consciousness? And what is it? I guess my, my yeah, listeners, listeners are probably no, not sure what it is. <laughs> so ayahuasca, there's some flexibility in how it's made, depending on what part of the world you're in. Like Colombia will do it different than South America. Hawaii is a little different than both of the others. So there's different traditions around it, even within um, Peru. And that's where a lot of that, a lot of this tradition comes from. Like there's different lineages that have done it a little bit of a different way, but the basic kind of basic fundamentals of ayahuasca is it's two plants mixed together. So without getting too geeked out here, you essentially have an enzyme in your gut that will block the absorption of DMT. Right. Um, so you can't, if you like there's DMT isn't present in a lot of plants. So if you're like eating a salad, you could, if you didn't have that enzyme, you could like start tripping balls. <laughs> so there's an enzyme that's really helpful that you can, you know, it, it blocks that absorption of DMT. So you don't have any kind of psychoactive experiences when you're just eating food. Um, Good to know. so what, what ayahuasca actually does is block that enzyme. So the ayahuasca vine blocks that enzyme and they mix it with another plant that's very rich in DMT, which is that psychoactive compound that really 
will blast you off, right? Um, and that's usually the chacruna leaf. So ayahuasca is usually the chacruna leaf and the ayahuasca vine. And they mix those together in a really um, earthy tasting <laughs> tea. <laughs> and the and our retreat specifically work with the Shipibo tribe. So it's a really very, very old lineage from Peru. Uh, we actually drink in Costa Rica uh, at a place called the Soltara Healing Center, which is an amazing place. Um, and for me, it was really fun to create that experience. I, I love that Shipibo tradition. I went down there and, of course, tried it out and spent a week there before I ever even put the plans together to have the retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked. Really, it was it was perfect. It was amazing. Um, but for me, that all started actually a drink for the first time, like outside of Austin. And it's funny, there's like, there's like life before that and life after that, because that was actually when I was like closing my gym, I was going through a lot of huge shifts and just kind of, the only reason I was going to be able to go is because this is, I guess, how the universe works. <laughs> the only reason I was able to go, it was actually, I was on the waiting list and somebody's sister had had a baby like two weeks early. So, I mean, the babies are healthy and fine. She just had them a little early. And so he had to back out. I found out I was going like two days before it. So I just like jumped in and went for this weekend, little three ceremony weekend in, uh, outside of Austin. And there was so much that happened in that experience. And that was probably one of the most, cause I'd never really had like a, a real psychedelic experience before that. Like, for example, like the first night I was really scared and, and it was coming on. I didn't really, you know, you don't know what the hell is happening. Like there's just noises and it's really loud and you don't really know, you know, it's very disorienting. And this, this feeling like I was being spooned by the divine mother was the craziest thing ever. Like it was just like all of a sudden I was just being like, like cuddled and it was tingly all over my whole body. And she kept saying, she's like, it's okay, sweetheart. It's okay. And it was, she was whispering in my right ear. It was so, so wild. And I'd never felt what it was like to be that loved ever. And it was almost like broke, like broke me open a little bit to what, love felt like like deep love that we almost like bigger than what we can ever experience on as a human being it was like this divine experience and it was so abruptly different than what i I felt how closed off i was and i was able to just kind of melt into it and that was something there's little things like that that stick with you um the next night was super super dark you know i had some deal with stuff from my dad's like my dad's lineage type of thing and some serious darkness and Again, like it always it came back to love um, in that experience as well. So there's been these big like kind of watershed moments in my life uh, with ayahuasca. And what I was really excited to be able to do is create these experiences in retreats where I'm essentially a bridge, right? Like I'm, I try, like I said, I'm kind of relatable. And like, I, I talk about this stuff in a very practical way. And even, even when you go home, it's like, it's this extremely spiritual experience, but you want people to have like a practical understanding of what happened and, and how to integrate that into their lives. So um, over years of, of speaking about this, people, I began to be kind of like a, a spokesperson, I guess, for trying this, if it's right for you. Mm-hmm. So, so being able to partner with Soltara, I was able to take people down there and, and really just be the person who took them down there. That was it. Soltara does all the work um, as, far as, the, as, as far as ayahuasca is concerned. I mean, we add our own little workshops in there as well. Uh, myself and my repeat, retreat partner, Mike Salimi, like, so we do some movement and, some different things that we bring in that's, that's ours, but it's really built around all around the ayahuasca experience. And so people feel one, like they have something in common because we're all down there kind of through the same, through the podcast or whatever media outlet. 
and so that we have something to resonate on and there if, if you make it all the way down there like you're there to do some serious work so there's something about that like collective consciousness of being in that space together and having super being super intentional and there's no shame about whatever you come down there for right like maybe you're just coming down there just to see what it's all about and just have an adventure right and it was and that's there's no shame like cool and maybe you're down there to work through some serious stuff that you can work it through like that's great too and and one thing that's really amazing about ayahuasca is that it, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time like it's giving you what you need and you know those stories i was sharing earlier about like deep love and my dad and all this stuff like the more that I've done it, the more I've drank and I don't drink a ton. Like it's very much like work for me. Like it's not something, it's not a fun, a lighthearted experience for you. I mean, yeah. it's like, there's a lot, a lot of, the, the, the more you do it, the less you want to do it. Honestly, like it's like every, the fact that I did, I had two, two retreats within the span of a year was like a lot. Mm. Um, for me. So I also reserve the right to go down there and not drink at all. <laughs> like that's kind of a thing too. But, um, the, the more I do it, the less, cool stories I get less like trip stories I get like I've got I feel like I've got enough of those now when I when I go into it it's more like there's just work being done that I'm there for mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily remember or think about it after that too much like little things here and there but it's not this like it's not this like crazy wild story filled experience it's like it's like okay you're like clean it's like cleaning you out in a way and it's and and it was one of the coolest things after the last experience and it was just feeling different. I was like, I don't really need a story. I just, I just feel great. I feel good. I feel like some stuff, got, I let go of some deep shit that I don't even necessarily need to understand. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it is a wild experience. It's so incredibly flexible, so incredibly flexible that, that, you know, to be able to give people access to that, if they really want it. And I think that's the biggest hurdle is like going to Peru, especially if you're like a single, you know, female that's kind of dangerous dangerous you know so it's a place that's safe accessible people feel like they're safe going there no matter you know what situation they're in that was something i'm super super grateful for so it's been a, it's been a wild ayahuasca has been an interesting experience all of my experiences with ayahuasca have been very it's definitely shaped my life more than i speak about a lot of times but it does kind of don't want to be like ayahuasca gets credit for everything but there's been these pivots in my life because of those like checkpoints and I've never left one feeling like I haven't made a positive shift mm -hmm. and I take a very grounded and pragmatic approach to it because that's, I mean, just like any other, you know, and I don't want to only sing the praises. Like you can get caught up in like chasing that, chasing that ec ecstatic experience. Mm -hmm. And it's not, that's not a healthy place to be in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is, it's not, this is not a game. It's not a joke. Like you can go in there and have like a while, you know, just be a psychedelic adventurer and go try it out. But there's something when you go in there clear headed with a, with an open heart, you can really, let some things go that maybe transcend even this lifetime. And it's, mm -hmm. it's something special for sure. Thank you for sharing. That's yeah, that's incredible. It sounds like a journey and people can explore it as they're uh, <laughs> feeling called to. Um, any last thoughts on conscious relationships, being the fat kid, ayahuasca. <laughs> no, I think with all this stuff kind of comes to the same, to the same point. And I think that, I mean, I, this has been through ayahuasca too. Like ayahuasca is more of like a, like a, a laborious like process for me. Like it's a lot of work. It's, it doesn't, it feels like something I do, um, 
it's almost like working like really really hard workout it's like they're good for you but they also kind of suck in the middle of them yeah, uh, yeah. i mean I, I can say psilocybin mushrooms have been like my like if i could pick one that's a little bit that's that's kind of like my my medicine is like is being is is been mushrooms and, and i think the reason i even say that is because there's so many different ways right holotropic breath work sound healing mm-hmm. psilocybin pma therapy with an actual therapist beautiful uh, ayahuasca like there's all these different pathways and i think that what we overlook so often is like is because some influencer did something that makes mm-hmm. make sense like be open and curious about the paths of work that resonate with you mm-hmm. and be really really clear on your intentions and even stepping into any of that and i think that gives you so much freedom to explore um and there's, there is something to be said for the fact that the plants that we use in these experiences are alive. Like there's a, there's a life in them and we don't tend to think about it that way. We think of like plants as kind of this other thing. We don't think about like plant consciousness, but there's really something incredible in that. Um, and regardless of what your method is, really realizing stepping outside of your day-to-day waking consciousness, whether it be through meditation or breath work or sound healing or psychedelics, in, in seeing your patterns of behavior and seeking a deep understanding of, of yourself will facilitate compassion, will facilitate empathy, and will help you see that maybe you're not as rational, as pragmatic, and as right as you think you are. Oh. And that's actually, a really, <laughs> actually a really fun way to live life. I love that. The challenge of like, oh, am I just being a dick in this moment? <laughs> That's been like my wake up call the past couple of months. I'm like, oh, Shelby, you're just like kind of a self-righteous bitch sometimes. <laughs> like, and with compassion. Like, you know what? We yeah. all are. Like that, that we, real, we, we, we really all are at times. And that's just at the end of the day, we have to look at our own shit of like, oh, you're not always perfect. I mean. And you got to learn to just laugh laugh at the bullshit like it's yeah. just funny it's like wow i'm like i was i was delusional that was yeah. a disaster like wow okay oh now what, <laughs> now what? yeah how can i shift this <laughs> yes exactly yes okay so there's two last questions i have for you want to ask everyone mm-hmm. um what is your favorite way to raise your vibration so just like up your energy raise my vibration um you know, I want to say journaling because that's like the self-righteous me, like getting into my journaling practice. Honestly, uh, being in the sun and playing games. Yeah, I love like that. Like it's that, that's like, in, and playing games, it can be like at the gym. I have a, the gym I work out at here in, in LA is, is outdoors. So it's like shooting the shit with people and having a good time and being in the sun really does the most for my mood, I think. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I'm like the simplest things like putting my feet on the ground or like walking through a stream. I did that last night with my dog. I was like, wow, I feel like a million bucks. This is crazy. It's a simple thing. It's free. You just it's like go, oh, well, the gym's not free, but yeah, it can be free. Yeah. <laughs> like, free. Being outside is free. So it's, it's all good. Exactly. And then where can the listeners find you? Where do you hang out? So obviously the realness podcast on Apple podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts, it's everywhere. And then I do, I guess Instagram is probably the most active of all the things like Twitter ends up being my like just obnoxious things that I want to say that feels like Twitter is a good place for that. But anything that's actually impactful is mostly on Instagram. So that's um, Connor Wanders, Connor with an E, Wanders with an A. And uh, I'm all over that thing. 
Awesome. We will link all of that in the show notes, probably your Twitter account too, so people can hear your random nuggets. <laughs> um, but thank you for being the here. The most ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, of course. That's yeah. great. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> Gotta break up the monotony sometimes. Of course. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure and people are going to love it. <laughs>